Are there no blips on that? Oh, I did turn my thing on. Uh, <laughs> oof. Whoa. Um, now that my mic's on, hello and welcome. This is a What If I Told You podcast, a show that is, to its own delight, descending into madness. Is it debauchery? Yeah. Okay. And debauchery. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, dude. I am not okay. Uh, clearly. My, I get so sweaty cleaning my mom's house and my back feels like I'm in labor. I don't know what that feels like. It's bad. Cool. Maybe this is why I'm in my 30s and I am like, uh, kids, well, you know, if you ever just laying awake one night and you want to know how it feels like, just do it. It's worth that at least. Just get pregnant. Yeah, it's that simple. <laughs> For some people, it literally is. And other people, it isn't. Isn't that no. weird? Yeah, that is weird. Just. The world is a horrible place. It is an absolute certifiable horror show. Yeah. Well, uh, go ahead and make sure you're subscribed to our show. Give us a rating. Write us a review. Please check out our fucking merch. It is linked on our Instagram, which is at what if I told you pod. Mm-hmm. If you're not already following us, um... It's also linked in our <clears throat> notes under this episode title. So mm-hmm. do that. And email us. What if I told you podcast at gmail.com. Yep. Um, and new on the Instagrams. Uh, I unboxed some of our merch. Yeah. Uh, I ordered a mug. It's very nice. Looks crisp and clean yeah i also got the tote in the mail how does that look good good um i got the tote i got a Mm t-shirt in gray how does it fit it fits it feels very nice i got it oversized i probably got like two sizes too big that's okay Uh, just because that's how i've been ordering my t-shirts lately um so it's it feels nice. I do want to wash it and see how it washes. Is you the, just never know. Is the print like? Is it like this or is it like in it? You know what I mean. It doesn't feel like an iron on. Okay, cool. So yeah, it's not like that shiny kind of. It's not like, like that. Okay, good. I couldn't really tell or remember if that was even an option to choose when making the design so that's yeah. good yeah. I'm not a fan of this isn't too bad because it's not like the straight vinyl you know yeah. yeah but over time I don't like the fucking the way it washes and stuff yeah it's and even weird. the way it wears sometimes mm-hmm. like it's just so stiff mm-hmm. I don't like that yeah it's not like that cool uh so yeah it's cool I also got the say weird beanie and gray with the palm on it I like it um I am used to Megapalm now. 
Is it a tiny? It's it's like a regular size palm. Oh. It's just that mega palm is so big that now when I wear a regular palm, I'm like, oh, look at it, it's so little. <laughs> but no, it's like a thick, nice beanie. Okay, good. I need to order some so. shit. I yeah. will wear a beanie every day to yeah. work. Yeah, Once. it's very, very nice. Um, so I'll put, I did take photos like with the stuff. I just need to post them on our Instagram. Sweet. So. Um, it is Thursday evening. Maddie literally just got home from work. I pulled up almost directly after. We're not eating anything. And I think we're both drinking water. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Um, I think Dakota... I don't know what he's, if he's going to eat while we're recording or not. I told him he could, but, um, last night we went and had Chinese at a Chinese buffet. Where at? Blue Springs. Oh, okay. Uh, there's a huge one there. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Legends of Asia. That one. Yeah. (laughs) Um, it was terribly good. It is pretty good. You know, as your typical Chinese buffet is, it is exactly what you expect. Yeah, and their, like, sketch factor is just right. It It is just right. Yeah. Yeah, you're not worried that there's going to be, like, a roach in the food, but, you know, the table looks a little jacked. A little bit. You know. And it's fucking huge, too. That place is massive. That place probably holds, like, 300 people. Oh, easily. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was a, he's been talking about Chinese food for solidly five days. And last, yesterday while I was at work, he sent me a text and he was like, uh, so I'm on my way home. Should we cook a HelloFresh or, and I was like, you want, you know that you want Chinese. So let's just get Chinese. The heart wants what the heart wants. It does. And I yawned the entire way home. (laughs) Chinese food does does do that it's all the msg (laughs) yeah it it hit me straight to the dome and i was like pretty much down for the count (laughs) so uh yeah that's our food segment oh so uh we did receive another email from our main man gerard from ireland but he was in spain yeah just casually He's over there for his son's birthday, so happy birthday to Gerard's son. The big 10. That's a big birthday. I'm going to have a 10-year-old this year, bro. That's mad. That's wild. (laughs) I fucking know. (laughs) Where was I for my 10th birthday? I'm trying to think. The year was... The year 2000. 1781. <laughs> I wish. In 1781, <laughs> I was 10. Uh, the year 2000. So, I believe that I got the Backstreet Boys Millennium CD for my 10th birthday. So, you know. If only 10-year-olds were easily satisfied, like we were easily satisfied at 10. Yeah, yeah. I got the Millennium CD and probably fourth Harry Potter book. Yeah, I'm probably going to have to buy Caden a fucking car or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
what what do you freaking buy kids now? I have no idea. I'm like, just winging the shit. I I did take Mal. Uh, he turned twelve. No, eleven. Mason's going to be twelve next month. Mal, I took him shop shopping for his birthday. But when I was asking him what he wanted, he was like, "I want a MacBook." Yeah, like, exactly. Bud. If anyone in this room is getting a MacBook for their birthday, it's me. Yeah, and fucking ask Santa. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, listen, you can come over to my house and you can use the MacBook. Yeah. (laughs) I will give you one hour of MacBook time. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Well, there's no Chip's basement because he, like, has a job and a life, but whatever. (laughs) So ridiculous. Yeah, and uh, Chip, this is for you directly from Gerard. He said he was wildly disappointed (laughs) that there was no Chip's basement last week. He's probably feeling the same disappointment this week, so just put that in your pocket. You're not only hurting us, um, but someone in a different part of the world. Yeah, yeah. Your, Your hurt is intercontinental. Yeah. So just sit with that a little bit. Oh, gosh. So obviously, per the title of this episode, um, trigger warning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anything involving children is fucking awful. So Mm -hmm. if you still want to listen, we're going to get into it. That's right. Um. We're going to talk about Casey Anthony, duh. Yeah. Um, and, you know, stick around to the end and you can hear what we think personally about the case. Yep. <laughs> All right. So here's a bit of an overview. After a family argument on Father's Day in June of 2008, Casey Anthony left home left the home of her parents, George and Cindy, with her young daughter, Kaylee. Um, And she was refusing to make any attempts to make amends with her parents after this argument. Casey um, kept up her wall of silence with her parents for the next 31 days, which is a long time to hold out on your parents if you have a pretty normal relationship I feel like yeah then on July 15th 2008 Cindy uh Casey's mom received knowledge that one of the family cars the one that Casey drove had been found abandoned out of gas and it had been impounded and of course she was super pissed about this as you typically would be right And her dad, George, went over to the impound lot to retrieve the car. And once he and the impound lot worker opened up the car, they were both shocked by a horrible smell coming out of it. And they found a bag of garbage in the trunk. But after that was taken out, it still smelled awful. Both of them later would describe the smell as being that of, like, decomposition. And Casey's dad, George, is a retired police officer, so he would absolutely know that smell. Um, 
George also stated that the smell was so bad that it was almost impossible for him to even drive it home. Yikes. That is rough. Um, meanwhile, Casey's mom, Cindy, uh, tracked Casey down and they ended up back at their house. Cindy then called the police and she was the first to report that the car had been stolen by Casey. Yeah, the series of 911 calls that Cindy Anthony makes are weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to I put in here transcript of call, but I think I can find recordings that okay. we can insert in there. Perfect. Because they're weird. Um, so we're going to play that call here. Um. I have someone here that I need to um, be arrested in my home. They're there right now? a possible missing child. I have a three-year-old that's been missing for a month. A three-year-old? Yes. Have you reported that? I'm trying to do that now, ma'am. Okay, what did the person do that you need arrested? My daughter. For what? For stealing an auto and stealing money. I already spoke with someone. They said they would patch me through the Orlando um, Sheriff's Department and have a deputy here. I was in the car. I was going to drive her to the police station, and no one's open. They said they would bring a deputy to my home when I got home to call them. So she stole your vehicle? Yes. When did she do that? Um, on the 30th, I just got it back from the impound. I'd like to speak to an officer. Can you have someone come out to my house? Okay. Okay, i got to ask you these questions so I can put them in the, in the call, okay? Okay. 30th of June? Yes. Okay, how old is your daughter? 22. Okay, what's your name? My name? Her name. Her name? And you said you have the vehicle back? Yes. And I have the um, statement. She's there right now? Yes, I got her. I finally found her after a month. She's been missing for a month. I found her, but we can't find my granddaughter. Um, five foot one and a half. Thin, medium, or heavy build? color hair brown so on this call she said quote it smells like there's a dead body in the damn car 911 what's your emergency <laughs> I called a little bit ago the deputy sheriff saying I found out my granddaughter has been taken she has been missing for a month her, her mother finally admitted that she's been missing okay what is someone what is, here now okay what is the address that you're calling from we're talking about a three year old little girl oh. My daughter finally admitted that the baby to the store. I need to find her. Your daughter admitted that your ba the baby is where? That the babysitter took her a month ago that my daughter's been looking for. I told you my daughter was missing for a month. I just found her today, but I can't find my granddaughter. And she just admitted to me that she's been trying to find her herself. There's something wrong. I found my daughter's car today, and it smells like there's been a dead body in the damn car. Okay, what is the three-year-old's name? Kaylee. C-A-Y-L-E-E. -E, Anthony. Kaylee Anthony? 
Yes. Okay, is she white, black, or Hispanic? She is white. How long has she been missing for? I have not seen her since the 7th of June. What is her date of birth? Um, 8, 8, 9, 2000, oh gosh, she's 3, she's 2005. <laughs> so it's Karen, this is Karen, this is Karen, this is her a month ago. Okay, I just can, I need, I, I understand, can you just, can you calm down for me for just a minute and just, I need to know what's going on, okay? I'm going to try and talk. Is your, is your daughter there? Is your daughter there? Yes. Can I speak with her? Do you mind if I speak with her? Thank you. I called them two hours ago. They haven't gotten here. Can you see? Finally, the minute Danny took her a month ago, it's just part of the plan. Ma'am. Ma'am. Okay, Danny's here. They want to talk to you. Can you look at this one? Answer the question. Hello? Hello? Yes. Hi. What, can, you, can you tell me what's going on a little bit? I'm sorry? Can you tell me a little bit what's going on? My daughter's been missing for the last 31 days. And you know who has her? I know who has her. I've tried to contact her. I actually received a phone call today now from a number that is no longer in service. I did get to speak to my daughter for about a moment, about a minute. Okay, she, did you guys call I, and report a vehicle stolen? Um, yes, my mom did. It's, okay, it's so there's been a vehicle stolen too? No, this is my vehicle. What vehicle was stolen? Um, it's a 98 Pontiac Sunfire. Okay, I have deputies on the way to you right now for that. But now, you're, now you're three old, okay, your three-year-old daughter is missing. Kaylee Anthony. Yes. White Kaylee female. Anthony. Yes, white female. Three years old, 8, 9, 2005 is her date of birth? Yes. And you last saw her a month ago? 31 days. Some 31 days. Who has her? Do you have, do you have a name? Her name is Zenaida Fernandez-Gonzalez. Who is that? Babysitter? She's, she's been my nanny for about a year and a half, almost two years. And why, why are you calling now? Why didn't you call 31 days ago? I've been looking for her and have gone through other resources to try to find her, which is stupid. Okay. But can you can you give me the name of the, the nanny again? Like, spell it out for me? Zenaida. Z E N A I D A. Last name? Fernandez. Fernandez. Hyphen Gonzalez. The police eventually responded to their home, and the responding officers believe that um, they're just there to investigate a stolen car. So when they arrive and are met with a hysterical Cindy screaming, Where is Kaylee? at Casey. They're super confused by this. So police then sit down with Casey and they ask her where her daughter Kaylee is. So Casey tells them that she last saw Kaylee when she dropped her off with the nanny, Zaneda Fernandez Gonzalez, on June 16th. And the officers are floored that this little two-year-old child has been missing for 31 days and 
her mom never filed a missing person report. Uh, if my children are missing for 31 seconds, I'm like, where the fuck are they? Yeah. I do that for my dogs. Right. Like, if I'm sitting in the living room and I don't see April specifically, already, he's almost never far. But April, like, especially now with her blindness, I'm like, hey, where is April? Yeah. Usually, she's just, like, over here, just slightly out of my range of vision. And if they don't, like, come to you when you say their name out loud within, like, 31 seconds, you're like, okay, where the fuck are they? Yeah. 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 Um, so, the ensuing investigation would obviously be full of lies and red herrings and wild goose chases. And uh, sit tight, because we're here to talk about it. All of it. All of it. So before we tell you about all the weird, wild, confusing things, we're just going to talk a little bit about who Kaylee Anthony was. She was born August 9th, 2005, which is incredibly crazy because yet again, we're covering a case right around the same time as the victim's birthday. Yeah, and keep in mind, I feel like to listeners are probably like, oh, yeah, what a coincidence. But we literally, a, like, months ago, wrote out, just picked random topics and put it on our, like, schedule. Yeah, we have all episodes planned. I think we did this, what, like, back in March? Yeah. We sat down and planned all of our episodes from March all the way through October. Yeah. So it's not just like, oh, it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. Because date of recording is the 11th yeah. of August. So her birthday was two days ago. <sighs> um, anyway. So Kaylee Anthony was born to, obviously, her mother, Casey Anthony. And she lived with Casey and her grandparents, George and Cindy, in Orlando, Florida. So, as Casey was only 19 when she had Kaylee, her parents helped raise Kaylee. Both George and Cindy were very attached to Kaylee, and which I obviously goes without saying. Grandparents are attached to their grandchildren. Um, but... They might have been a little more attached to Kaylee than your typical grandchild-grandparent relationship. I It seems like they kind of considered Kaylee their child more so than their grandchild. Yeah. And what I thought was super weird that came up in the documentary about this case called An American Murder Mystery. You can find it on Amazon. That's where I watched it. Um, Cindy actually talks about how she was the first person to hold Kaylee after she was born, not Casey. Hmm. Weird. I found that so weird, especially, like, just in the greater context of the case, but I thought it was super weird that, in multiple reasons, like, it's weird that Cindy would have the fucking audacity to step in and 
be the first person to hold the baby. Yeah. And then also that Casey would let her do that instead of being like, hey, hey, hey. I just labored for hours and hours and birthed this child. Uh, gimme. Right. And also that the doctors would hand the child to Cindy and not Casey. Yeah. All of these things are very strange. Yeah, it is weird. I've never been in the room for an actual childbirth, but I feel like the baby comes out and is usually placed on the mother's chest. Yeah, I think, I mean, unless, like, something was wrong happening or something was wrong, I mean, I've not had regular births, so I think usually. Someone out here who has had a vaginal childbirth, do they, when the, when the baby is fully out, does the doctor just automatically put the baby on the mom's chest? Unless, obviously, we understand if there's an issue and the child isn't breathing or whatever. Right. That doesn't happen. But in an, everything is normal. Is that what happens? Child to mother's chest. Let us know. Please let us know. Anyway, so Kaylee was two and a half, almost three years old on June 16th when she presumably passed away yeah um so there's not really much else to talk about in regards to her life because she didn't really have one yeah which is the most depressing thing ever um but we obviously want to start with her because she's the victim here so of course um that is kaylee and now we're going to talk a little bit about her mom casey so, Casey was born March 19th, <laughs> I put 1896, <laughs> but it's 1986, duh, to her parents, George and Cindy. She also had a brother named Lee Anthony. Um, Cindy describes Casey as being a popular kid growing up. She had a ton of friends and that Cindy and Casey were incredibly close. She said they spent a lot of time together, talking, shopping, doing all of your typical mother-daughter things. And when Casey gave birth to Kaylee in 2005, Casey was 19, and throughout her pregnancy, Casey and her parents denied that Casey was pregnant to, like, all of their, like, extended family. Such a silly thing to do. It's so weird. When there's gonna be a baby (laughs) i know that's like the worst lie because you can't carry it out very long no no it has a very clear end yeah and everyone's gonna know you fucking lied (laughs) it's so strange so it's not clear if casey was the one who wanted to keep the pregnancy quiet or if george and cindy were the ones that wanted to, but in the documentary, George and Cindy are both interviewed throughout, and they both describe being happy and excited when Casey told them she was pregnant, so it seems like maybe Casey just didn't want people to know. Maybe. I don't know. Um, and there are also statements from a former friend of Casey that kind of point to Casey not wanting to keep Kaylee. 
and that Casey had actually considered adoption, but her parents refused to allow her to give up Kaylee. All right. Hmm. So all of this is weird, conflicting. Uh, we're just going to say it and leave it and you can think about it. Yeah. Um, so the identity of Kaylee's father has also never been revealed. I think Casey alone knows who the father is and has never even told her parents. Damn. So she taken that information with her through the rest of her days to the grave. Um, Casey had a fiance at the time she got pregnant named Jesse, but, um, I don't think he's the father and there's been another man who was killed in a car crash that was said he could have been Kaylee's father, but we'll never know. We'll never know. So, yeah. <clears throat> and that's Casey. That's Casey. Um, I can do this chunk. Okay. So, we kind of already gave the overview of the very nonchalant disappearance of Kaylee and how her grandparents, George and Cindy, uh, came to report her missing 31 days after the last time she was seen. Um, so we will look into the particulars of June 16th, 2008. So this is a timeline and a lot of it is from the prosecutor's podcast and they do a seven part series on this case. Yeah, they do. And it's, it's very, all their shit's detailed, but definitely give it a listen if you are further interested in this case. All right, so June 16th at 7.52 a.m., there is an internet search on the, like, family computer in the Anthony's home under the profile that Casey used. And the search is for sexy costumes for shot girls that's supposed to say shot? Yeah, shot girls are... Oh, girls. shot girls. I yeah, was thinking, girls. like, literally shot. Okay. No. <laughs> shots, shots, shot, yeah, shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sexy costumes for shot girls to wear at an event um, and that her boyfriend was DJing at Tony Lazaro. This is the boyfriend. Wait. Yeah, that's her boyfriend. Yeah. Jesus. Her boyfriend, Tony Lazaro. 11.27 a.m., Casey uploads some pictures of, from Facebook to PhotoBucket, which is a thing of the past. I had no idea what PhotoBucket was, but I, I figured it was a social media thing. Yeah, I never used it, but I think that is just about it. Like, it's just a picture thing. Like Instagram. <laughs> Could be, yeah. Um, she also visits her MySpace page. At 12.50 p.m., uh, her dad, George, states that this is the time when he sees Casey leave the home with Kaylee, and this was the last time that he sees Kaylee. He also states that he knows it was at this time because of the show that he normally watches at that time of the day. He also states that before leaving the house, Kaylee told him that she was going to see Zanny. At 1.39 p.m., contrary to what George states, at this time there was activity on the Anthony computer under Casey's profile again. And there was an AIM chat happening that was 
in all likelihood, Casey. 1.42 p.m., Casey calls her friend... That's Amy. Amy Hazinga, and the call lasts for around 40 minutes and ends at 2.21. Between 2.30 and 2.40, George leaves for work. He was a security guard, and police confirmed that he did report for duty as usual. At 2.51, there is a search on the Anthony computer um, on the Firefox browser for foolproof suffocation. Um, Now, as we know that George has already left for work, um, it should also be noted that Cindy was at work as well. She was a nurse. At 2.52 p.m., the computer logs into MySpace. And at 8 p.m., Casey is seen on security footage at Blockbuster with her boyfriend, Tony. And Kaylee is not on this footage that Casey and Tony are seen on. And Tony would later testify that Casey was acting completely normal that day and that she was not really acting like anything was wrong. Yep. So, weird, you know. But, uh... There are a few days that stand out in between June 16th and July 15th. So, during these 31 days that Cindy and George don't see Kaylee, they do speak to Casey on the phone a few times, attempting to speak to Kaylee. But every time they ask to speak with her, Casey tells them that she is out with Zanny. Either she tells them that they're at the park or they're at the mall or they're at Universal or whatever. So she makes up all these excuses as to why they can't speak with Kaylee. On June 18th, Casey and Tony borrow a shovel from Tony's neighbor, Brian Burner. They return it one hour later and they claim that they borrowed it to break into the Anthony shed and steal gas, presumably for Casey's car. On June 20th, Casey enters the hard body contest at Fusion Nightclub, and this is the event where there are all these photos that you see of her partying in a blue dress and black boots. That's this day, which is four days after Kaylee's presumably been missing and deceased. Yeah. Um, June 23rd, Casey and Tony are actually caught by George breaking into the shed where they are stealing gas again. Just five days later. Uh, George is obviously pissed and an argument breaks out and George angrily asks Casey, where's Kaylee? Where, and of course, Casey says that Kaylee's with Zanny, with Zanny, but, you know. And at this point, according to George, he makes a move for the trunk of Casey's car to grab the gas cans that they took. But Casey blocks him, gets the cans herself, and throws them at George's feet. She apparently did not want George near the trunk of her car. So this is an account from George. So obviously we're going to take that with a grain of salt for what that is. But, you know. Right. We already know that 
she been out here stealing gas, so. Some of that story, if not all of it, is true. All right, so now we're going to get into the investigation and the search. This next chunk is Casey's story. (laughs) Um, According to Casey, on June 16th, 2008, she dropped Kaylee off with Zaneda, her 25-year-old nanny, and that was the last time she saw her daughter. She stated that when she went to get Kaylee later, she waited around the nanny's apartment um, for them to return, thinking they'd arrive at any minute. But after time stretched on, she started to worry, so she went to search places she knew that Zaneda took Kaylee during the hours that she babysat her. Um, Places like local parks and the mall. And Casey stated that she had repeatedly tried to call Zaneda, but the line was disconnected, and she was afraid that Zaneda would harm Kaylee if she went to the police to report her missing. All right. Mm. Okay. So, who is Zaneda? So, naturally, the first thing police do after this story is told is try and track down Zaneda Fernandez-Gonzalez. Right. Uh, since Casey showed police the apartment of Zaneda, police started there, naturally. Well, that apartment was vacant and had been vacant for several months. In excess of 100 days, this place had been vacant. So police then went to the leasing office and inquired as to when Zaneda had lived there and which apartment she lived in. Presumably they're thinking that maybe Casey just got the apartment wrong. Right. So wouldn't you just know it that the leasing office had no record of Zaneda Fernandez-Gonzalez ever living in that complex at all? Hmm. And none of Casey's friends or family had ever met or seen Zaneda. (laughs) Yeah, so... Interestingly enough, police were actually able to find a woman named Zaneda Gonzalez. She was not in her mid-20s, as Casey had described her, but actually in her 40s. And she told police she'd never met Casey Anthony and certainly had never nannied for her. God damn. So, Zanny the nanny, as Casey Anthony describes her, does not exist. Yeah. But, where did Casey get the name Zaneda? Because it's a unique name. It really is. And... Uh, it's certainly not a name you're just going to pull out of a hat if you're trying to make up a story on the fly. Right. So, where did she get the name Zaneda? Well, she had been calling her nanny for several years, Zanny the Nanny. That's what George and Cindy say, that Kaylee would tell them about Zanny. Well, there is one theory. That Zanny is actually referring to... Xanax. Because 
the slang term or street name for Xanax is Zanny. Mm-hmm. So the theory is that Casey would give Kaylee Xanax so that she would sleep for long periods of time, allowing Casey to go out and do her own thing and party and whatever. That's so fucked up. Yeah, super fucked up. This is obviously speculation, but it's very good speculation. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> all right. The visit to Universal on July 16th. Here we go. This one is ridiculous. It's so silly. According to Casey... She was an employee of Universal Theme Park and had been for several years. Her parents and friends all thought that she worked there, and this is also what she tells the police. She tells them that the only two people in her life that she told about Kaylee going missing were two friends from work at Universal. Mm -hmm. So obviously, police go to Universal to look into these two work friends and see if they have any details that might be the key to finding Kaylee. When they get to the Universal offices, um, they are told that Casey no longer works there and she hadn't been an employee for two years. That's a long time. In addition to this bombshell, they are told that neither of the, quote, work friends that Casey told them about worked there either. So obviously at this point, police are like, "Mm, yeah, I don't think she's telling the truth. Yeah. So they decide to catch her in this lie. They go and pick her up and ask her to take them to her office at Universal so they can search it and also question her two co-workers. So they go there and security is like, "Mm, you don't work here. (laughs) And Casey tries giving the security guard her supervisor's name and extension. And neither of those things are correct, obviously. But police have a supervisor come out and let them through. Casey starts leading them down these hallways and greeting people as they pass. But eventually, she turns down a dead-end hall. So she turns to police and tells them she doesn't actually work there. What in the actual fuck, dude? How, how crazy is this? Because she's leading... and. She didn't just walk around for a little while. She led them around the halls of Universal for 45 minutes. (laughs) Where Uh, the fuck did she intend to take these people? Was she just hoping an empty office door would be open? And she'd be like, here it is. This is my office. Clearly. That's absolute. She she was flying by the seat of her pants here. She had zero plan. Zero. Jesus H. Christ. So, (laughs) after this fiasco, obviously, the police take her in for questioning. Yeah, it's time. It's, at this point, it is time. So, in the documentary, they actually play a portion of the interview with Casey. It's not necessary for us to insert that here, because essentially... The portion that they play in the documentary is the detective trying to get Casey to tell him where Kaylee is. Yeah. he's. It's basically a back and forth of him saying, I know that you know. 
just tell me what happened to her. Tell me where she is. Where is Kaylee? What happened to Kaylee? And Casey just keeps saying that she doesn't know where Kaylee is. And what I noticed listening to the recording of this interview is that Casey only ever says she doesn't know where Kaylee is, but she never says she doesn't know what happened to her. Yeah. Which is interesting and it could be me reading too much into what she's saying. It could have been the edit for the documentary, but word choice matters and people say words without thinking that it's going to incriminate them. Yeah. And what you say is what you don't say is also as important as what you do say. Right. So I don't know. She didn't ever in the recording, she didn't ever say she didn't know what happened to her. She just said she didn't know where she was. Who knows? But at the conclusion of the interview, Casey is arrested and charged with child neglect and giving false information to police and obstruction of a criminal investigation. So she's taken into custody on the 16th of July. So. Damn. Cool. Uh, I can just finish this little part here. Yeah. Um, now, at this point... Casey's car is taken for evidence as well. And obviously there's a stain in the lining of the trunk. That she wouldn't let her dad near. That she wouldn't let her dad near. And it is roughly the size of a toddler's body. Mm. Hmm. Um, there were also hairs found in the trunk that forensic analysts say are most likely Kaylee's. I think they said, be, judging by... The uh, texture of the hair and the fact that the hair had never, it was like a pure hair. It had never been dyed. I guess what most people call virgin hair. Mm -hmm. So it didn't have anything on it as far as hair dye. And um, they also said that these hairs had banding around the hair strand near the root. They show pictures of this. And they call it decomposition banding because it's typically seen in hair strands post-mortem and this is actually what police use to say that Kaylee is deceased because they don't have like remains at this point right but they have the hairs okay so on December 11th of 2008 a utility worker named Ray Cronk found skeletal remains less than half a mile from the Anthony's home on December 20th, the remains are confirmed to be Kaylee's, and her body was heavily decomposed, but there was a duck there was duct tape around her face covering her nose, mouth, and jaw. The Orange County Sheriff, the Orange County Chief Medical Examiner reported that the remains didn't show any evidence of trauma and ruled Kaylee's death a, hom a homicide of undetermined means. While, it's while it is clear that Kaylee was murdered, the duct tape um, makes that case. And the fact that her body is in the woods right. in a trash bag. Yeah. But due to the advanced state of decomposition, the medical examiner couldn't definitively state what the cause of death was. What is super interesting about the discovery of her remains is that Ray, the man who found her 
actually called police about seeing something white on the ground in the wooded area near their property prior to December. So on August 11th, Ray stopped there to pee, whatever, I guess, and saw something unusual and called the police. And likely he had heard about Kaylee and kind of jumped to that conclusion. He um, called the police to check on this on August 12th and 13th, so the day after and then the day after that, but police had not gone to the scene to look. And after his first, after his third call, an officer finally agrees to meet him at the spot. However, it's raining super hard and the officer is irritated and just doesn't really look. So Ray later testifies that the officer spent more time yelling at him than looking around the area. Fucking cool, huh? It is entirely possible that if the officer had actually looked and discovered Kaylee's remains at this time in August, a cause of death may had may have been possible to determine because that's a full fucking however many months four months four and a half months yeah Yeah. um there might have been more evidence as to what happened to her but the police missteps in this case obviously played a very big role in losing very valuable things yeah so yeah um so one thing I didn't put in the outline that really probably should be in there is the stuff that Kaylee that were was found with Kaylee's body. So she was in a trash bag, but she was also in a laundry bag. It almost the picture makes it look like those 31 bags. Yeah. Like the larger ones that have like the wire around the top so it holds its like shape. It was a large white laundry bag. So she was in that, and she had a blanket with her that matched her bedding that was found at home, and she was in two trash bags. And the laundry bag was matched, apparently it was something that came in pairs at that time, and its mate was in the Anthony home. So all the stuff comes from the Anthony home. Right. Uh, so, yeah. Um, and... Now we're going to talk about the charges, which is, there's not really too much to talk about. But on October 14th, Casey Anthony is officially charged with the following. First degree murder, aggravated child abuse, aggravated manslaughter, and providing false information to law enforcement. Um, the state was also seeking the death penalty for Casey Anthony in this case, which I feel like is a little bit of a stretch, to be honest, legally speaking. Um, There are some who think the authorities are too hasty and bring charges too quickly in this case. And there are others who think they overcharged and should have avoided first-degree murder and the death penalty. So the prosecutor's podcast talks about that, and they're probably much more, well, they're obviously much more qualified to talk about that than we are. But, um, yeah, The, the death penalty, just because of the evidence in this case, they can't even determine how she was killed. Right. So it seems like uh, 
do you have do you have it here? Yeah. So you know, I feel like there was a lot of there were a lot of issues in this case from the police not responding to Ray Kronk's calls and finding her earlier, possibly months earlier. They probably lost a ton of evidence that way. Yeah. Or they definitely lost a ton of evidence because of that. Yeah. And then the prosecutor's office charging so quickly. They brought charges before the body was found. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. That It's just, it does seem that they were way too hasty. Yeah. They, they should have, they should have investigated this way more. Absolutely. So, hang tight, everyone. Now we're going to get into the trial timeline. Ooh. Okay, so July 22nd, 2008, Casey is declared a person of interest. The hearing introduces evidence that a cadaver dog had zeroed in on the odor of the human decomposition in the trunk of the car um, in the backyard of the Anthony home as well as Cindy's admission that they had all seen Kaylee after June 9th. Although Casey is being held, or, although Casey was being held on relatively minor charges, the judge is disturbed enough by the evidence and this young mother's seemingly very indifferent behavior um, and set the bail at $500,000. August 20th, 2008, um, Casey's bond is posted by a California bounty hunter named Leonard Padilla. Um, he paid it with the hope that Casey would lead them to Kaylee. On August 30th, Casey's bond is revoked, and this comes a day after Casey's arrest for allegedly stealing and cashing checks from a friend, with the angry crowds demonstrating outside of the Anthony's home, contributing to the decision. Um, the bounty hunter, Leonard Padilla, says, I came, I gave it my best shot, she didn't want to talk to me, what can I say? Um... I'm trying to word this as it's not going to happen, but as it has already happened. She was released. Yeah. Uh, so she was released, obviously, um, after other parties combined to post the bond on September 5th, although she returned to jail by the end of the month. Cool. October 14th. Casey is charged with first-degree murder, and this, the unsealed indictment also charges her with aggravated child abuse, aggravated manslaughter, and four counts of providing false information to law enforcement. And in response, Casey's lawyer, Jose Baez, Baez says his client's actions will become clear at trial. And this is a quote from him. I sincerely believe when we have finally spoken, everyone, and I mean everyone, will sit back and say, now I understand. That explains it. Cool, Jose Baez. All right. October 24th, um, forensic reports from the examination of Casey's car are released. 
The reports note that a hair strand discovered in the trunk is microscopically similar to those found on Kaylee's brush and showed characteristics of apparent decomposition. Additionally, an air sample from the trunk is found to contain chemical compounds consistent with human decomposition. That's right. An air sample. Damn. 2008? Out here with the air samples? Oh, we'll talk about that, too. Um, so, it's weird that police and the prosecutors thought it was a good idea to make something like this public so early in the process. is very weird. Questionable moves by uh, police and prosecutors. Yeah. Super questionable. Yeah. Okay. December 8th. No. Why did I say December 8th? Uh, that is the... What is December 8th? Is that the anniversary of fucking Pearl Harbor? <laughs> the I death of so. John Lennon? <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, December 11th, 2008. Obviously, remains are found, and they are found in a bag in a wooded area less than half a mile from the Anthony's home by Ray Kronk. It is later revealed, obviously, as we talked about, that he sought to convince police to search the area back in August. Um, December 20th, the remains are confirmed to be Kaylee's. And the chief medical examiner said the bones showed no evidence of trauma and that her death is a homicide, but undetermined as to cause. And although the skull was found with duct tape around the nose, mouth, and jaw, the advanced state of decomp prevented investigators from pinpointing an exact cause and date of death. So not only could they not uh, determine the cause, they couldn't pinpoint exactly when she had died or how yeah. long she had been in the woods. Um, January 23rd, 2009, George Anthony is taken into custody after a suicide attempt. God damn. Yep. Uh, George was reportedly despondent and possibly under the influence of medication and alcohol when he was located. He was found at a hotel in Daytona Beach and had written a five-page suicide note. Sheesh. Yeah. Uh, you know, the suicide note is kind of what you would expect. He's he's sad and he feels responsible for the death of Kaylee and everything that's transpired and he apologizes to Cindy and Kaylee and Casey and Lee and everyone he's ever met in his life apparently. Yeah. In this letter. Um, but yeah, he said in the documentary that he had taken a bunch of medication and then drink alcohol. Um, but obviously he survived the attempt they will, the defense will later use this against him to try and point the finger. So, cool. Um, April 13th, 2009, prosecutors announced that they intend to seek the death penalty, although earlier court papers indicated the death penalty could not be in play. The new notice of intent cites, quote, sufficient aggravating circumstances to justify its imposition. So, in most states, the death path to the death penalty requires very certain circumstances are met. 
above those required to sustain the first-degree murder charge. So usually this includes an aggravating or special circumstance. Um, usually that is a sexually based crime, torture, um, certain criminal history, so forth like that. The state here is alleging that there is sufficient evidence of special circumstance of aggravated child abuse that elevates the charge to meet the death penalty burden. So that is a stretch, yeah. I think. Especially because the medical examiner has stated officially that there's no trauma to the bones. Right. So how are you going to prove aggravated child abuse? Yeah. Um, on May 24th, 2011, boom, trial pops off. And it starts off hot out of the gate. The trial begins. Obviously, the prosecution gives their opening statement first, and they're trying to paint this picture of Casey as this party girl. She has no time for a young daughter. She doesn't want to be tethered. And there, this is proof proven by her spending those 31 days shopping, drinking, Entering hard body contests, buying costumes for shot girls at, for events for her boyfriend. They paint this picture that Casey's out here living it up with no regard for Casey for Kaylee being missing. Which I think is probably a good strategy to start with. Yeah. And then Jose Bias comes in and just blows that all up. He says that... Kaylee drown in the family swimming pool. Alrighty. And that George sought to cover up her accidental death and is the one who get, put her blanket with her, put her in the laundry bag, wrapped her in trash bags, and put her in the woods. Now, in addition to blaming George... Jose Baez also alleges that George had molested Casey throughout her youth and thereby created the her habit of lying to cover up all of her pain. And, and a third thing he's throwing someone under the, under the bus for is that he says that Crunk, the utility worker, actually found Kaylee's body and planted it in the woods. Poor Ray. So Jose Baez is literally, in his opening statement, just throwing everything at the wall and just trying to see which one of them takes. Yeah. That's literally what he's doing. Okay. Um, George was actually the first witness on the stand and denied that he ever molested Casey or knew anything about Kaylee drowning in the pool. Okay. Now, I would really implore everyone to either watch the documentary or look up footage of this opening by Jose Baez because he's not just out here making allegations. He comes in fucking hot and literally says that Casey was a good liar because of the molestation by George, and that when she was 13 years old, she could have George's penis in her mouth one minute and then go to school as a regular 8th grader the next. He literally fucking says that shit. 
God damn, dude. And I was, Dakota and I were watching this the other night, and we're both like, what the fuck did he just say? Huh? That is bold. He came in so hot, dude. All right. (laughs) May 27th, 2011. A witness offers a theory about Casey's car smell. Cool. Simon Birch, who was the manager of the towing company that impounded Casey's car in June of 2008, testifies that he had encountered multiple vehicles with dead bodies during his three decades in the business and that the smell from Casey's car was consistent with those past experiences. Um, that's a lot to take on for a tow lot manager. I feel like it makes sense that a tow lot manager would have encountered dead bodies. I know. It's just weird to say out loud. It's weird to say out loud. It And it's not something you would typically think of. Like, oh, yeah, part of the day-to-day of a tow lot manager. Yeah, like, oh, that car had a dead uh, body in it. Found a dead one in there today. Ooh. But it makes sense when you, like, think about it. Yeah, it does. It does. But. That same day, the fiancé of Casey's brother also took the stand and described the, quote, very special bond she observed between Kaylee and her mother. Which, actually, a lot of people who knew Casey Anthony and had seen her with Kaylee have described her as being a pretty attentive and loving mom. In their, like, in what they witnessed and how they interacted with each other. Yeah. A lot of, like, Kaylee... Casey's friends, uh, like her boyfriend Tony and Tony's roommate, spent quite a bit of time around Kaylee and Casey together in like the weeks before her disappearance, and they all described Casey as normal mom. A normal mom. I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> On June sixth, um, Arpid. I think it's Arp. Arpad? Arpad? Hmm. Arpod? <laughs> Airpod? <laughs> Airpod. Oh no, that's so horrible. I'm so sorry. Arpid, we'll Arpid Voss, or Vass, I don't know which one. Arpid of the Oak Ridge National Laboratory takes the stand and explains how the shockingly high amount of chloroform um, was detected in the car and led to his conclusion that a dead body was indeed present. Now, if you don't know what chloroform is, it's a chemical um, released by decomposition as well as one that can be used to, like, knock someone out. Um, However, his testimony is contradicted by the following day, contradicted the following day by an FBI scientist who compares the chloroform level in the trunk to the amount found in household cleaners. In the prosecutor's podcast, Brett and Alice agree that the testimony from Voss is one of the biggest missteps of the prosecution in this case. They talk about how cases like this will often come down to which side's expert is more believable, and Voss's basically experimental tests and theories just kind of seemed outlandish compared to the defense's explanation that the chemicals were simply regular household cleaners. Right. And, uh, Voss's test is the like air, like test. Right. So, and he also was not a chemist. He was an anthropologist. So the defense is like, excuse me, 
what's your degree in? And he said anthropology. He's like, oh, right, so you're not a chemist. Yeah. Got it. Hmm. So this is yet another instance where I'm like, what are you doing, prosecution? Weird. This guy is an anthropologist. He isn't an expert in chemistry, and that's what you're talking about here. Yeah. And also, in 2008, we were definitely not taking air samples and trying to test them for chemical compounds. And then the FBI scientist just comes in, and he's like, oh, yeah, those chemicals are, that's cleaner. Yeah. So that sounds, to a jury... The lay person who is not a scientist are like, okay, cleaner, bleach, got it. Yeah. Just a lot of bold people out here. Yeah, so many weird things are going on. I can't imagine what this jury is thinking. They're like, what the fuck is going on here? Um, I'll finish June. Okay. On June 8th is when the web searches are brought up. A software designer testifies that someone had searched for chloroform 84 times and also looked up things such as head injuries, ruptured spleen, chest trauma, and internal bleeding. Um, This would, however, be a regular search history for Madeline and I. (laughs) <laughs> if we are ever questioned or put on trial for murder, I don't feel like it's going to help anyone. No. 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 Um, all of these searches were on the computer in the Anthony home in March of 2008 during the regular work hours of George and Cindy. So these were looked up while George and Cindy were supposedly at work. Or yeah. should have been at work. Yeah. The designer later reports an error and is detecting software and determines that the user visited a site related to chloroform only once. Fucking cool. <laughs> um, it is weird that the prosecution focused on the chloroform instead of the search for foolproof suffocation. <laughs> Especially since the search for foolproof suffocation was... On June 16th of 2008. The date that they're all saying was likely the day that Kaylee died. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. That is something I've never searched. Literally never. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The foolproof, though. Yeah. You know, just just suffocation is bad, but foolproof suffocation. Like, we don't want any surprises. Right. Alrighty. June 23rd, Cindy seemingly backpedals. Um, in a crucial day for the defense, Cindy claims that she was the one who researched chloroform on her computer. She also testifies that a stain found in the trunk, allegedly caused by Kaylee's decomposing body, was there when the family purchased the car eight years ago. Right. Even though... In her 911 call, she literally states, it smells like a dead body in the damn car. Yeah. But now she's saying, she said, oh, the smell's from the garbage. Yeah. And the stain was already there. 
So she's really, she's really going, she's backing Casey Horde here. Yeah. So, cool. Um, And on July 3rd, 2011, closing arguments. Continuing with the narrative that Casey was an overly burdened mother by Kaylee and just wanted to live a free life, lead prosecutor Jeff Ashton emphasizes to the jury how Casey was motivated enough to go to extremes to achieve her freedom. He says, quote, something needed to be sacrificed and that something was either the life she wanted or the life thrust upon her. He says, she chose to sacrifice her child, end quote. Um, while Baez was forbidden from revisiting unsupported molestation claims, he nevertheless def- delivered an effective closing argument, pointing out the lack of evidence that could definitively place Kaylee's body in the trunk of Casey's car or tie Casey to Kaylee's death. Uh, so he came in hot at the beginning and ended a little more reasonably. Right. Uh, I'm guessing that maybe the judge admonished him for the molestation thing. I would say probably. Because he was barred from bringing it up ever again in the trial. So, Um, on July 5th of 2011, after six weeks of testimony and 400 pieces of evidence presented in court, the jury of seven women and five men after... Less than 11 hours of deliberation reach a verdict of not guilty. So, they did not deliberate for long at all. Not at all. They delivered... The jury in the Amber Heard-Johnny Depp trial deliberated for longer than they deliberated about the murder of a child. Yeah. So, this jury basically... They had their fucking minds made up that... There was at least reasonable doubt. Maybe yeah. not that she was innocent, but they there was apparently for them enough reasonable doubt that they found her not guilty of murder, not guilty of aggravated child abuse, not guilty of aggravated manslaughter, but they did find her guilty of the four counts of providing false information to police. Cool. So, on July 7th, 2011, Casey received a four-year sentence and a $4,000 fine for the four counts of false information, And but she was released for credit with credit for time served um, because she had been in jail from 2008 to 2011. Um, on July 17th, 2011, Casey was released from the Orange County Jail shortly after midnight, and there were... Uh, about a hundred pro- protesters <laughs> who showed up to demand justice for Kaylee. Um, and Jose Baez released a statement saying, quote, it is my hope that Casey Anthony can receive the counseling and treatment she needs to move forward with the rest of her life. End quote. Um, yeah. So that's the verdict. Yeah. Um, if you're wondering what she's doing out here now, you know, she's just living her life. Mm-hmm. In 2016, she attempted to start a photography business. That didn't work out. Nah. In 2020, 
she started a private investigation and consulting firm. She said she wants to help other people find the justice that they need. Um, And if you're interested, she is writing a book about the case and the trial. And there was a movie in the works also, but it has stalled. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. First of all, can you imagine, like, you just want to have some family photos taken? It's fucking Casey Anthony. No. Taking your family photos? No. Yeah, it said in the article that I read, I think it was an In Touch Weekly article, that she tried to start this business, had, like, a Twitter for it, but all of the uh, inquiries that she got were just people wanting to know about the trial, (laughs) which... She should have anticipated. Yeah. Fucking obviously. That's no, so wild. No one wants you to take their photo, Casey. Not of their children. Mm, definitely not. They just they just want to berate you about the trial. Um, so, what are our final thoughts? Clearly she fucking did it. She's guilty as fuck, dude. So guilty. I don't... I don't really even feel like it's there's a need to explain why someone thinks that. No, it's very clear. It is very clear. It is just the most shocking that she was found not guilty. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Huh? It's a wild world out here. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Um, George and Cindy both give interviews in the documentary that it's linked in our shit. So, uh, Cindy still stands by Casey, actually. Um, she says that she is still in contact with her sporadically and she still maintains that she's the one that searched the chloroform and she doesn't believe that Casey harmed Kaylee, but George, on the other hand, nah. Uh, he does not have any contact with Casey, and he says that he believes Casey attempted to put Kaylee to sleep so that she could go out and do whatever she wanted and overdosed her and then dispose of her body. So he doesn't think that she actually intended to murder her, but he does think that in an attempt to kind of absolve herself of some responsibility for a while, she drugged her and overdid it. I can see that. I can also see that. Um, I I think it's a little bit difficult for me to think that she would have felt like she needed to straight up, like, murder premeditation and all of this. The web searches, though, that's a little hard to get around. Yes, it is. (laughs) And it's so wild to me because this doesn't make me... feel like she didn't do it but if she didn't want Kaylee that badly it seems like she had two parents that would have more I mean that would have definitely taken her and been Mm -hmm. like we'll fucking take care of her then right and I think in one of the sources I read there was even a little blurb that previous to all of this happening and I think maybe the fight that ensued on Father's Day, the day before Kaylee disappeared, that Cindy had actually said, like, 
we will take Kaylee. Yeah. We will we will take custody of Kaylee. So I mean, if she really wanted to have her freedom and have this, you know, 22-year-old lifestyle, it sounds like she could have just done that. Done that. And left Kaylee with her parents and just went off and done her thing, but she didn't, though. It's so fucked. Yeah, this is, it's a crazy case, but, um, anecdote about this case. I was personally in Orlando, Florida on the day she was released. I love it. Uh, Jury, my good friend, and I were in Orlando for the premiere of the very last Harry Potter film. Mm-hmm. And it also my 21st birthday (laughs) right (laughs) so we did the we did universal we went to the harry potter theme park and uh i got a wand we had butterbeer we saw the premiere of deathly hallows part two we gate crashed a private screening it was the it was honestly the best birthday i've ever had in my life it'll never nothing will ever rise to that level Exactly. So we were in we were in Orlando for like four nights. We had two days of the park. The movie was the very first night we arrived. So we arrived on July fifteenth and saw the movie that day. And then next two days we were in the park doing Universal. But then our last two days we didn't have anything to fucking do mm-hmm. because uh, outside of Universal and Disney, there's not that much to do in Orlando. Right. And so we were like, what are we going to do? So we we sat in our hotel room and watched news coverage of the Casey Anthony trial. (laughs) (laughs) What a better way to celebrate your birthday. See, exactly. Exactly. Harry Potter, Universal, and the Casey Anthony trial. Seems pretty on brand. So that's the end on Casey Anthony. That is the end. Question for everyone. Is there anyone out there who thinks that Casey Anthony is in fact innocent? Yeah, we would love to hear why. I want to hear from you and hear what reason is making you think that. Yeah. I just don't understand. <laughs> Let us know. Let us know. Argue your case, please. <laughs> um, thanks to Ariel and Laura for being the creative geniuses that they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, please subscribe to our show. Share us with your friends. Rate us five stars. Do all the things and the stuff. Yeah, do it. And while you're doing all that stuff, also remember to be kind. And stay weird. Okay, bye. Bye.